It's because be nothing is real anymore and time doesn't nope. exist. Nope, it doesn't. Welcome to my weird podcast where we talk about everything that still doesn't have a name. I'm not naming it now. That's just what we're doing. This time we're talking to Albert Klein, who, if you've been reading Broad Street Hockey for a while, Albert used to write for us pretty regularly. And generally, all of the most hilarious articles that have ever been published on Broad Street uh, are either Albert's or Travis's. And Travis uh, has Or passed. Ben. Ben. Oh, Ben was pretty good, ben. too. Yeah. Don't forget Ben. That's true. Ben was pretty funny. Legend. Um, although, did Kurt do the uh, Jay Rosehill? Or is that, I think that might have been Travis. Uh, the, which Jay Rosehill one? The Jay Rosehill <laughs> where we illustrated how far he drove from uh, the That was, I think that was a pension plan puppets thing from like a long, I think that's where it originated from, that image. Okay. Um, yeah. I definitely used it in a, in a, in a post. Okay. Post so. once, um, but you know, I, I think the origins of it are are slightly unknown. I'm pretty sure it's a PPP thing. Probably they're usually hilarious. Yeah, so. and did he used to be on the Leafs? Uh, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, so that would make sense. So the reason that I wanted to talk to you is because a, you're my friend and I like you and I haven't talked to you in a long time, so I decided that this would be a fun way to do it. And everyone else can suffer through our conversation, which is fine. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of MIA, like uh, I have a life, life, so life taking over, and I haven't written for the website. And God, I, I I I didn't check, but it's been a while. I will emerge, though. I'm like I'm Ben sure. Rothen- I'm like Ben Rothenberg, where like once <laughs> every like year or two, I'll come out of nowhere and like mm-hmm. fire out some takes, and then just like recede. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, that's your I mean, role. Like, why not? Why not? So the other reason that I wanted to talk to you a little bit is that, so in Albert's real life, he is essentially an economist, right? Yeah. Like that's my that's, training. That's so technically what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to get too much into what you actually do with your life because that's no one's business. But sure. Um, I want to talk, I just want to, to talk a bit about all of this crazy stuff that is going on. Um because a lot of it is bleeding directly into hockey and the hockey world. And so we might get, just fair warning, a little bit political on this podcast, like just peripherally. And I'm sure that most of you know what my politics are. And if you don't agree with me, I hope that you will still listen to this because I think that you could learn a lot from Albert and you might end up agreeing with some of the things that we say. Um, But if you want to go ahead and turn it off because we're going to talk about politics, that's okay too. You've already downloaded it, which means I'm already getting paid. So if you want to stop listening now, that's totally fine. But yeah, before, before we get into the meaty stuff... I'm asking everybody who comes on this podcast why they are a hockey fan. How did it happen? Oh man, um, I think I and I I hate to uh, steal. I think a lot of people have this answer that's in our like our general age group, but definitely the '97 Cup run. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what grade I was in in '97. Like, what grade are you in when you're ten? Uh, whatever grade that is. Um, and it was, you know, I mean, it was, it was a huge deal. I remember in, uh, the boys bathroom on for like the sixth graders or fifth graders, fourth grade, I went to a weird school. Uh, there were Mm -hmm. posters in the boys bathroom. And one of them, I think was Lenny Dykstra, who I don't know anything about baseball, but isn't he, he's kind of insane, right? Yeah. He's a crazy person. from Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, They they, they tend to be all Mm -hmm. those, all those like Phillies from years past tend to be like not so reactionaries or just like crazy people. Um, but mm-hmm. there was also an Eric Lindros poster in that bathroom. And it was like, I just remember seeing him all the time. And uh, that 97 cup run was pretty great. Uh, I kind of bowed out for a while just because, you know, I've lived kind of all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, before the dawn of the internet being able to deliver anything, whenever you wanted, um, it was like hard to watch Flyers games. It still is hard to watch Flyers games. Cause I lived down in DC. Um, but uh, the 2010 Cup run is when I really got back into it. Um, I was watching tons of games. I, I remember driving back down to Philly from my college, which was in upstate New York, to go to a few of the home games in that Boston series. Um, 
So that was pretty awesome. I should have gone to Boston for it because I was actually technically closer there. But uh, yeah, Boston kind of sucks. And well, no, it really sucks. And also, I don't want to be around a bunch of Bruins fans. But uh, that's that's about when I got into it. Um, To me, it was always like, I don't know, I was always like I was a pretty chubby kid and really bad at sports, Um, just like awful at sports, basically avoided them my entire life. Um, But for some reason, hockey always had that this characteristic to it that was like it's this is different this isn't like football you know it isn't baseball it's like not as popular so like all the the jocks and like the sporty mm-hmm. type people weren't really into it so for me it was kind of like well i can get in the dip my toes into sports without being like a sports guy if that makes sense no it totally makes sense to me because i too was like a fat loser when i was a kid and mm-hmm. getting into hockey was kind of like um instant little niche community yeah so it was yeah. like it was like a, a level of acceptance that you don't find if you're you know an awkward chubby adolescent i, I still think that's kind of the case it is i think it still is a, a niche sport and it is kind of like a thing where if you meet someone and it just comes out that this other person is a hockey fan it's like an immediate like oh Hi. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, there's stuff. a guy. There's a guy at my office who's into hockey, and it's like I, I think the first day I met him, it was like, oh, well, this is something that we can like actually talk about that I don't think you get with like football because like everyone watches no. football. Yeah. You know, watching football is like, ah, oh, you eat or like you breathe, um, unless you don't watch football, which I guess that's kind of a bonding experience. Yeah, it's like the opposite <laughs> for football. It's like if you don't watch football, you can bond with people. Um, yeah. In the same way that if you watch hockey, you can. So I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean. I guess uh, I kind of bowed out for a while in the past few years just because I had a kid and, you know, I have a job and pretty busy with everything. And it got to the point where with the Flyers, it was like, man, I have limited free time every day and I don't want to watch this team like completely suck. And like that be the only thing I do with my free time is like get frustrated with the team and like uh, of basically like a bunch of guys, I mean, in the especially during the Hacksaw era that like shouldn't be playing in the NHL or if they mm-hmm. are playing in the NHL, they shouldn't be getting the minutes that they want. So I kind of dropped off and then I got right back into it this year towards the tail end of this season, if you can call it that. And was like, okay, right on. Like this team's fun to watch. So I was basically a bandwagoner getting back on the bandwagon. At least it felt like that. And then a uh, global pandemic happened and you know, pff, nothing. Yeah. Now we live in the end times. Everything yeah, is a just yeah. It's just life is a dystopian movie from the eighties, in my opinion. Mm. Like Kurt I mean, Russell could, is going to yeah, appear could, at some point. Could get worse. I mean, Kurt Russell whips ass, so I'm. I'm he could save us all. He could. He could. <laughs> Snake Plissken, baby. Snake Plissken. <laughs> okay, so the thing that I wanted to ask you about, um, because it's a thing that I've been thinking about a lot, which I probably shouldn't be, because it's making me insane. And you might be able to explain it in a way that both I and the people listening can understand. Sure. So people listening have probably been personally affected economically by what's going on. Like you may have had your hours cut. You may have been furloughed. You may have had your restaurant closed. Like any number of things that are happening Mm -hmm. to regular people. Um, But then this also started to bleed into sports in a way that we couldn't ignore because there were press releases and people tweeting about it and articles being written and it interestingly enough i was trying to find the press release that the nhl put out um regarding what they did and i couldn't find it which is hmm, curious um Hmm. but essentially the nhl as a whole um decided to just unilaterally cut the salaries of their Mm -hmm. regular full-time workers by 25%, which is an incredibly significant amount of money. Yeah, And I believe they set the floor at $50,000 a year. So only people making $50,000 or more, but as everyone listening to this knows, $50,000 a year is not a lot of money. No. Especially NHL offices are in Manhattan. So most of these people live in and around the New York City area, which is insanely expensive to live in. Um, So that happened. And then you also have it happening team by team. The Devils did it. Um, The Bruins did it, of course, because the Bruins are owned by actual Satan. Um, And it's just, it's because, 
he's the worst. He's he's, lit- he's got to be the worst human being. Um, but and I also actually heard today that amid all of this, the Bruins are uh, insisting that people put down their season ticket deposits. They must pay them. <laughs> so so they're not paying anybody. Oh, but you have to pay them for your tickets for the next season, whenever oh. that may happen. So I know that anyone that hears this kind of thing happening, I would find it hard to believe that anyone could hear about this happening and think that it was a just or good or okay thing to happen to people who are trying to do their jobs. I would like you to, if you can, explain to me why kind of on a macro level, mm-hmm. taking money away from people is bad for all of us. If you could. Uh- well, just to get in first into like why the NHL and sports leagues are doing this, why they're cutting salaries, is, um, I mean, w- when faced with these types of issues, or basically a, you have a, a large exogenous uh, shock to the economy, which is what a global pandemic is. It's not something that, you know, was baked into the financial system or the economic system. It just kind of comes out of nowhere, right, and shuts everything down. I mean, this is like a perfect, this will be a textbook example of an exogenous shock in like economics books as people learn them going forward. Um, there's basically a couple ways that companies can deal with uh, this type of shock with respect to their labor force. Um, one is lay people off, um, which seems to be the primary way in which businesses are handling this right now. Um we saw first-time unemployment uh, insurance applications, which is basically new people that have been laid off in the last week, surge to over three million. Um, it's never been anywhere near that high in the history of recording that data. I believe the highest it ever was in a single week uh, was about eight hundred thousand back in during the financial crisis of '08. Um, so you have a, like a threefold increase or fourfold rather increase in the maximum uh, number that we've seen in history of people applying for unemployment insurance. So that's one way. Another way is furloughs, um, which is basically a, it's sort of a layoff, but not the same. Um, I have a friend who works at the Marriott headquarters or one of the Marriott corporate offices rather down in Bethesda. Mm -hmm. And she was recently furloughed by Marriott because Marriott obviously has a, their revenues are way down. Uh, a lot of their hotels are running well below capacity um, because nobody's going anywhere and nobody wants to stay in a hotel right now. Uh, a furlough is basically when you don't fire someone, you don't lay them off, but you say, hey, we're not going to pay you. Uh, you are still an employee, but uh, right now you're not working. When this is all over, you will go back to working. Um, the third way is basically what the NHL and sports teams are doing, which is they're, I guess, doing voluntary cuts in salary to not pare down their labor force. Um, it's bad. I mean, in, 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 in these types of instances, the best thing you could possibly do is just continue to pay your labor force. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll get into that in a second, why that's good for everybody. Um, in terms of the alternatives, it's obviously a lot better than layoffs. Um, it's a lot. And the reason why the NHL and uh, or NHL teams and other, I think, other sports teams are doing these voluntary cuts or involuntary cuts in salaries instead of layoffs is probably because this is a short term thing. It's going to come back. Uh, onboarding, training new employees is is outrageously expensive. You don't want to let go of a lot of your labor force if you just if you can anticipate that you're going to need a lot of them back. Mm-hmm. Um, if you let them go completely, the same people might not come back. And then you lose with that all the institutional knowledge that that labor force has a whole bunch of other things. Um, so they're making go- a good business decision for themselves. The problem is, is that right now, the biggest problem with the the economy as a whole is that there's been a huge, huge shock in aggregate demand. An aggregate demand mm-hmm. is, basi- is basically just a word that means the, uh, the, de- the, the total demand for goods and services in the economy. The reason why there's a shock to aggregate demand is for a lot of reasons. First off, people can't go out of their houses to buy things, right? That's a big one. Uh, you, you can't get on a plane. You can't go on a vacation. You can't 
purchase certain things. Uh, lots of stores have closed. That's mm-hmm. one big reason. Um, another big reason for aggregate demand getting shocked is that a lot of people are losing money. They're getting laid off. Uh, in times like these, the worst possible thing that you can do in the economy as a whole is do things that depress demand. If we can artificially, through government action or through other means, increase demand from where it would be in equilibrium given the circumstances, then you can get out of this hole quicker. This mm-hmm. isn't this isn't my opinion. This is kind of this is all based on uh, lots and lots of research going into uh, economic economic the sorry the the uh, the ways of getting out of economic crises. I mean, this is like it, it's simple. Like if, if you think about like the New Deal. That is, it was a way of increasing aggregate demand by providing employment to people, by providing cash payouts and things like that. That's part Mm -hmm. of the reason why Congress right now is either has passed or will pass, depending on when this people are listening to this comes out, a stimulus bill. And the a big portion of that stimulus bill uh, is increasing unemployment benefits for people who have been laid off. And another big portion is direct cash payments to pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm. And. The reason why they're giving cash payments to pretty much everybody, in addition to unemployment benefits, is they are hoping that once you get that money, you will go out and spend it. The government is basically admitting what I'm saying is true, which is that the worst thing you can do right now is cut people's salaries. So the NHL, I mean, in terms of an aggregate standpoint, the NHL and other sports leagues doing what they're doing in terms of cutting people's salary, I don't know how much that affects things. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you if that was done, if, if you saw a wave of that kind of movement across the labor force, that's no good. I mean, that, that, first off, it's it's bad for people, like on a, on a people level. Like, yeah, it's bad when you have less money. Right. Um, it, it, particularly by setting that threshold of fifty thousand dollars. I mean, if, if the league offices being in New York, fifty thousand dollars is I don't have the, the data right in front of me. But in New York, that's it, it, for a family of four. You're bumping up against poverty line. Um, mm-hmm. And your know, family of four is kind of your that's your benchmark for you know setting poverty levels and things like that so they're not really being particularly generous with that um so that's that's basically it i mean you really don't want people not having money to spend in times like these uh particularly if you're concerned about other things because there can be ripple effects i mean the ripple effect being that you know you might be uh working for a private company right now and you have uh you're, you're fine you, you know, you haven't been laid off. They say business is still good. Well, the problem is, is that if you work for a private company, most private companies survive based on selling a mass of products or services to a large number of people. If that large number of people does not have the money to purchase those goods and services, then you might be out of a job too. Mm-hmm. So it is in your best interest to make sure that other people get paid and get paid well so that they can purchase the goods and services that your company is producing. Now, uh, that doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. Um, there's certain things that, you know, my wife, for example, works for an insurance company. Uh, that one of their main products is car insurance. I don't think they're going to lose any business because there yeah. are there are statutory requirements to have car insurance, <laughs> and you kind of need to have a car to live in America. So um, there are some shielded industries, but uh, for the for the most part. You know, the vast majority of employment in the country is private employment that's based in either the uh, the provision of goods and services. So uh, it's in everybody's best interest that everybody has money. That's like a weird thing that it seems like people don't grasp that concept Um, that the the economy, which I have decided over the course of this pandemic that's been going on for, I think, like three weeks, but it feels like years at this point it's out of control like how long this is feeling but anyway i've decided in my isolation that everything is fake all of this is fake Mm. the economy is fake the market is fake the stock market is fake money is fake your job is fake your wage is fake all of this is made up this is just something that we invented this isn't like an inherently real thing any number of changes could be made to it without any of it collapsing because it's just a thing that we've made up. If we want to change the rules, we can change the rules. It's, it's fine. Well, 
Which you'll probably disagree with me because you're no, I, and I don't. Thing, I, but... I don't necessarily disagree with you. I I actually think that 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 I I agree with you, and I think that that thought is kind of liberating. It I is. Think that, I I think that I mean at least, and I would never have guessed this that this something like this would have happened in my lifetime. That the the federal response to this has been so incredibly robust, um, just historically in the United States. I don't think they're doing enough. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. But I, I I mean, given the, the the nature of politics and economics in the United States, it, we're in a pretty interesting time. Mm. And I I think that um, you're right. It is it is all made up. And I think that one one of the things that really has bothered me or or bothers me a lot at least throughout my life has been the way that we talk about the economy we talk about the economy as if, as if it's some type of uh, almighty being that exists outside of society mm-hmm. that it's it's this it's this thing that needs to be fed and this thing that needs to be protected and we must do things to please the economy when really all the economy is if it is a thing is a way of kind of organizing human interactions. So right. what really is the economy is everybody. It's just, it's just a word for people, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I think is interesting, and you say it's it, it's made up, and I think you're right. I think that's, a, I think that's a, a totally natural and normal reaction to everything that's going on right now. But I think maybe what's at the root of that reaction is that we're saying, oh, well, we're, there's kind of some type of implicit admission that the way we've been doing things is wrong mm-hmm. um i mean i think you can i think a very strong case can be made that the way healthcare in this country works is has been vastly incorrect and i think that we're seeing i mean i i i've believed that for a very long time yes um that's very core to my being and to my politics i'd say that's like my number one issue um just from a moral standpoint, but I think that you can make an economic standpoint for it too, which is, you know, it, it does not, we are only as healthy as a society from a public health perspective as the least healthy person, especially when it comes to a highly, highly contagious infectious disease. Um, so, I mean, you can definitely, I, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm sure that after this whole thing is done, there are going to be studies that are going to try to put a a number to the amount of spread of of COVID-19 that is due to the fact that people who do not have health insurance were not seeing doctors. Well, we had our first, the first reported case today of somebody who went to an urgent care and was Uh turned away because he didn't have health insurance and he died. Right. And I'm sure people will say things like, well, why didn't you go to a regular hospital or why did you wait too long? And the thing is that people that don't have health insurance wait a really long time before they go get themselves treated because they know that they can't pay for it. So this kid, I think was 17, was probably sick as hell and waited a long time before he did anything about it because he was hoping it would pass and he didn't have to go to the doctor and pay for it. So, yeah, you're right. There is a a very strong moral argument there. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean... He shouldn't have died. Period. Yeah, but but like you're saying, this is I think that this is exposing in a way that people like you and I that have thought thought about this um, have known for a while. But this is kind of really exposing the fact that having your health care based on your employment is just not a sustainable way to do it. Because as we talked about to start this, there's a lot of people losing their jobs through no fault of their own and sometimes no fault of the people that they work for. Like if you own a restaurant and no one's yeah, coming in, what are you supposed to do? You're probably going to have to close and right. fire all the people that work for you. There's nothing you can do about it. And so now suddenly these people don't have a job. And so that means they don't have health insurance. And that kind of like super tenuous like relationship that you have to have with your employer who generally does not care much about you on a human level um i hate to say it but like if you work for a large corporation right. the people at the top of that ladder do not give a shit about oh, you if you work for i'm sorry if you work for a small business too they don't give a shit about you no not really i mean small um, business owners are the biggest labor labor uh, law violators in the world that's true 
I mean, geez. So, yeah, I just don't know how we come out of this and go back to the way it was. Well, I think that... But I also, think... also, so in my mind, I'm like, I don't know how that could happen. How could you possibly? But then in my mind, I'm also like, we probably are. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm more hopeful. I mean, I think that, like, this gets back to you saying that you kind of believe that everything is made up. I think that... I, I think, going back to that, I think it's more that we've been fed for such a long time that the way the economy is organized is just the way things are. And that it's like, this is natural law. Like capitalism in America is natural law. Like going against it is, it's not gonna fly because that's just the way things are. Um, and what we're finding out now is no, that's not the case. When there are large exogenous shocks to the economy, even a, a uh, executive branch that has a Republican in it and uh, the Senate that is majority Republican will come out and say, mm, we got to do something about this. We right. got to do something about this. It's not going to work because the way that we have organized things in this country and the way that we've set up the economy is not conducive to an efficient market. It's bad for capitalism that this is happening. Right. Yeah. We're basically saying that, oh, well, capitalism in the United States is great. It's great. It's great until something like this comes along. And we realize that it's just not sustainable and it's not workable. And I think that um, going back to your thing about will it go back to the way things are, um, part of me thinks that we've crossed somewhat of a threshold. I mean, I'm not, look, I think that the bill that is going to pass is in large part very good. Um, and we can get into that in a minute. Um, if we were able to more or less uh, codify that as as something that is automatic when these types of things happen in the future, because they will, um, they will happen again, and they will happen with more frequency because of, I mean, you can tie it to climate change, which that's going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. If you can tie these types of things that are being done to be automatic triggers in future situations, I think that's a vast vastly different United States that you see right yeah. now. Um, I think it offers a lot of more security for people. Now, I think that limiting the scope of government involvement to just large crises like this is bad. I think it should be involved in a hell of a lot more things. And I think that the scope of the crises should be widened because I think mm -hmm. there are a lot of other crises in this country right now that kind of get swept under the rug um, because a lot of people just choose not to believe that they're problems. Um, but I think that there's I think that there's a lot of hope. I'm actually pretty hopeful in this situation. And I'm not a I'm I'm not a particularly optimistic type person. Yeah. But when I see a, a Republican Senate pass a bill that increases unemployment benefits by six hundred dollars a week, uh, something's going on here. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But also that bill, if I'm not mistaken, a large portion of the money that they're going to be spending is going directly to corporate interests and sure, not sure. to regular people, which I mean, I guess is a thing that you you kind of just have to accept is going. I, I mean, don't like it, but it, I don't know. I, to a certain extent, you have to accept it because, look, you don't want the airline industry to, to, to fail. You just don't. Trust no, me, but don't. but. I mean, the idea that of all people, Donald Trump put forward that we as the American people, the government then should be an equity partner that should get some shares in that company. If we're going to invest in your company, that is an idea that makes sense to me, which. Is yeah, no, of course. Of course. It does. Now, I mean, don't don't trust a single thing that guy says, because. Oh, God, no. It, no. If, it sound, if it sounds good, he'll say it. So, I mean. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, there are better ways of doing it. I think there mm -hmm. should. I mean, probably it, it, Boeing at the end of this, Boeing should probably be a, 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 a nationalized co company. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Like, I, I didn't know a lot about this until I moved to Canada. But like the idea of a crown corporation, which is what they call them mm -hmm. here, they, that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. Um, the idea that there are corporate private interests, not government run interests, but a company that is so important to the functioning of society that the only shareholders are the people that uh -huh. live in the country. 
So it's run as a corporation. It's run for profit. But we are the shareholders. I mean, so it's, it's, any pro- I mean, it, it just makes sense to me that, I mean, Air Canada used to be a crown corp and then it stopped making money. And so they got rid of it. But like the liquor stores here are a crown corporation because yeah. they know that people are going to need their drugs to survive. Yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. You were, I inter- interrupted you. But no, yeah, I if, mean, if, if we're going to be pumping money to prop up an industry or a particular company, it stands to reason that we should get some ownership of that company because okay. if you, Albert Klein, gave Boeing, you know, $3 billion as an investor, you would own a bit of Boeing. I mean, I could, buy just one be... Boeing, I could buy one Boeing stock right now and I'd be a yeah. partial owner of Boeing. Exactly. Like, it, it's just absurd to me that we should just give money because right. we barely even do that to people. Like, a lot of people are going to have to pay this back when they get taxed next year. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, the, the I, I think the big thing to the, the reason why I'm hopeful is because if you look at we we do have in recent history a something to bounce this off and get an idea, something to compare it to, which is mm-hmm. the American Re- Reinvestment and Recovery Act, whatever it was, the big the big huge stimulus uh, back in the Obama years in response yeah. to the financial crisis. You saw absolutely no relief for the people most affected by that which was homeowners um and you saw absolutely no equity shares being uh given over to the government and you saw absolutely no prosecution of people that were engaging in illegal activity that brought down the entire world financial system so if that's the benchmark we're going against we're getting better that's fair like i'm not saying that like i'm not like if i were in congress i would vote for this bill I wouldn't mm-hmm. be happy with it, but I would vote for it mainly because it's moving in the correct direction. And I don't know if I would say the same about the uh, the stimulus that that happened back in 2008, 2009. I don't know yes. if I would have vote, voted for that, um, mainly because there wasn't enough relief for actual human beings, right. um, at least human beings that aren't incorporated. Um, so that's partially why I'm hopeful. Is because of that. And the the other reason why I'm hopeful is because really at the end of the day with this whole thing, you know, I, I started getting really, really worried about this probably about a week and a half ago to the point where I deleted Twitter off my phone because I was like, there's too much noise and it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's not good for me to be around this. Um, the main reason why is I'm not particularly concerned about getting coronavirus. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm a little worried about it because I have a little kid in the house, but obviously they're not affected. But still, I don't want it. I just don't want it, you know. Of course, yeah. Um, and I, I've, <laughs> I've been very careful. Um, you know, I haven't left the house much at all. Uh, and when I do go out, I look ridiculous because I get all suited up and I'm in and out. Um, but uh, the main reason why is just because thinking about, like, the ripple effects of this and the mm-hmm. thing it was going to do to people, particularly at the lower end of the income scale, because the the two biggest industries that are probably going to get affected by this, and we don't have uh, we don't have much information on this yet, but I mean, you can just read the news and see it's probably going to be retail and things like uh, restaurants, stuff like that. Yeah. So hospitality industry is completely screwed and the retail industry is completely screwed. And both of those just so happen to employ very, very low wage employees. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was the big thing that I was really, really concerned about, because that is a first off, a gigantic class of people. First off, the vast majority of people in this country are low, low income earners. Um, And uh, on top of that, uh, they really are already underpaid. Mm-hmm. And when you cut their hours, even a little bit, uh, you know, if, if you react to this by just, I guess, you know, having people share shifts because you can't have certain number of people in a store or something like that, or the demand just isn't the point where you need to have a bunch of people, but you don't fire people, you just cut their hours. I mean, that's a huge shock to the pro- to the system. And it's a huge problem. And like we were talking about earlier, it's a problem for everybody. It's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I'm relatively well off in the world and I, I, I'm very grateful for that. But that doesn't mean that I'm insulated from what happens to people who are not well off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was really worried about. And the fact that we're seeing like actual real relief. I mean, 
everyone's talking about these stimulus checks that are going to be going out. But the bigger thing to me is not only a an increase in unemployment benefits to where they really do get to the point where they're actually helpful. Yeah. Um, and also increasing the time frame for which you can receive those unemployment benefits. I mean, they're they're adding at the federal level, they're adding six hundred dollars a week on top of what you get from the state. Now, I, I just as a a, uh, a test to see if, let's say, I got laid off, what I would get from, I live in the state of Maryland, what I would get if I got laid off, I would be able to be on unemployment for, I believe, 26 weeks, which is half a year, six months. Uh, and I would be receiving, with my combined federal and state unemployment benefits as a result of this bill, over $1,000 a week. Now, yeah. that's legit. Uh, and of course, the amount of that is based on the amount of money you make. The amount that you get from the state is based on the amount of money you make. But only $400 of that is a component of what the state's giving me. Right. Even if I made nothing, I'd still get $600 a week, which is $2,400 a month. That's yeah. not that bad. I mean, no, you can survive on that. You can. And, you know, it could it could be better. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, for a lot of people and I, I, Bernie Sanders brought this up. And I think you told me to to watch it on a on a in a floor speech in the Senate. Uh, sorry if I make any noise. I just got to go get my oh, computer fine. charger. But I'm I'm still talking. Um, he brought it up in a floor speech on the Senate that one some of the Republican op- opposition to this was based on the idea that some people might make more money on unemployment than they did in their jobs. And his whole reaction to that was, well, we don't pay people enough to begin with. So yeah. Like, so, oh boy, they might make a little bit more money for a short period of time. And I think he said, uh, how will the universe go on? Yeah. Uh, very uh, facetiously, obviously. And I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, it seems like, yeah, I mean, some people will make more money on unemployment. And to that, right. I say and they should have been should have been making that money all along. Exactly. That's the point. The problem there isn't the amount of the unemployment. It's the amount of the wages that they were earning before they right. lost their jobs. Like, right. that's the part that we fix, not the exactly. unemployment part. Do you think exactly. that the do you think that the way that um, other countries governments are essentially the way that they've elected to keep the economy running is to essentially just pay people's payrolls and rent freeze everything so that essentially these companies without any customers are still able to cover payroll and the bills that they would have um so that we didn't lose you know every single restaurant in downtown philadelphia because their rent is astronomical and they don't have any customers because no one can leave their house do you think that is a better way to go about doing this than what we're doing here uh i do um and it's First off, the thing you brought up is, you know, you don't have to worry about about companies going under, which is going to be a big thing. I mean, one of the I live a block away from the small little main street in my little town here. um, And I would imagine that it is going to get absolutely rocked by this. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of restaurants, a lot of coffee shops on this main street. It's going to look very different in six months. Um, That's one reason. The other reason is. From a labor perspective, I I think it's a good idea to not lay people off, um, mainly because once you work at a certain place for a certain amount of time, you gain a lot of institutional knowledge of that particular place of employment. You gain a lot of skills that are really only used at that particular place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm talking about like, let's say you're a line cook. Um, there's certain ways that certain kitchens do things, right? And they're different from how other kitchens do them. So it's better for the worker and for the business owner to keep the same people that have been there, there. So here, where we're helping people out by providing them with unemployment benefits, if they do get laid off, is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But it would probably be better if they were to just continue to be paid through their work with the government financing those payrolls. Because in the event that this all blows over and we all go back to normal, then those people can go back to work. Right. And you don't have uh, companies scrambling to find people and, you know, mismatch in skill sets is a huge burden on companies. It's a huge burden on people. Um, 
you know, I, I'm not saying that everybody who's in their current job right now is at the optimum job for them. Uh, of course, that's not the case. But uh, like I said, you, you gain a certain amount of skills that are specific to a single workplace over time. So mm -hmm. it, it seems op more, not optimal, but less suboptimal to have people have the opportunity to remain in their same place of employment. Instead of having them get laid off, they get unemployment for six months and they go find a different job elsewhere. Yeah. All of this is so, it's just a lot, I think, for everyone to understand with mm. good reason. Um, but yeah, I just like challenge people listening to this, if anyone is still listening to it, um, <laughs> to just like- Numbers are going down. Yeah, right. Um, Stephanie's going to get 17 emails. Oh, yeah. Asking yeah. that I'm fired. <laughs> for, forward them all to me, please. And I will answer them all uh, personally and professionally. I promise. I'm super professional. Yeah. I no, just... no, no pig shit balls coming your way. Don't no. worry about that. No. Never that. No. no. <laughs> Never it, used I mean, that in my life. I, I would just challenge people who perhaps before this had no reason to consider that the livelihoods the economic and personal health of the people that live in their communities was of no consequence to them because it didn't affect them at all it didn't affect their job it didn't affect how they lived their life it didn't affect anything i would challenge people to maybe take this time sitting around in the house after you've watched Tiger King, to just think a little bit about the fact that perhaps a centralized federal government is the best way to distribute resources amongst or, or, a populace. Or, or some resources. Some resources. You don't have to go you don't have to go full you don't have to go full socialist. No, nobody and that's the thing, nobody wants to do that. I don't think I mean, very few people, I think, are looking mm, for... There's a bunch of tankies out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... There's a lot of tankies out there, so... There are some. But I think that the ideal way that this... Is that there are... We have to accept that there are certain things that are just things that absolutely have to exist for all of us to live our best lives. I don't think anyone would suggest that electricity or pressurized water service or any of these regulated utilities that may or may not be government run they may be private but if they are private they're heavily regulated we've done that because we've acknowledged that we're not going to have a society where some people can't afford to have their water on because the company that runs the water distribution system is you know price gouging or whatever we've just decided that there are certain things that we all need to live a life Healthcare, i think at this point perhaps you could consider that that is something that we all have to have uninterrupted without strings it just has to be there the same way you can turn on your lights or turn on your faucet you can go to the doctor i think if you think hard enough about it, you might be able to come to the conclusion that that really is the best way for all of us to be successful and productive and make lots of money and do lots of things. Like, if that's the goal, cool. But you can't, I don't know. Am I making any uh, sense? No, I, like I, well, I, I, first off, I totally agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Uh, to add to that list, uh, the internet. Um, yeah. The, can can we at least, uh, if you're lucky enough, like I am, to be working from home, um, that all relies on every single person having, or every single person who can work from home having broadband internet in their house. And I know if you do have broadband internet in your house, which everybody listening to this probably does, because I don't know how else you listen to it, um, you got to real. not everybody has broadband internet. It mm -hmm. is... Uh, it's pretty, if you look up the statistics, it's actually pretty shocking because honestly, I can't imagine a life without being able to post all the time um, with, you know, at the click of a button. But a right. lot of people do live like that. And 
when it comes down to it, my ability to work right now is based on me, not my employer, paying for a private internet account. Now, mm-hmm. I need to provide that to be able to work. And so I'm sitting here thinking, why the hell am I paying, however, $100 a month to have broadband internet access just so I can work? That's not fair. Yeah. That should be provided to me. And it should be provided to me for free. Either my employer should pay for it or better yet, the government should pay for it. Now, broadband, broadband, we can go down a whole, whole rabbit hole for why broadband is so garbage in the United States. Uh, There's a lot of people who have done a lot better research on that and know a lot more than I do. But uh, let me tell you, uh, it would you would be shocked to hear that part of the reason why broadband is so bad in the United States is because of private interests trying to uh, create artificial monopolies. Mm-hmm. Shocking, I know. I know it's shocking. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize how bad um, both internet and cellular service is in the U.S. compared oh, to, to the rest to, like, of the developed world. Like, if you go to like Seoul, it's insane. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It, it, South Korean broadband is like nuts. Now I've never been there, but I, I have a friend who lived there, and you know, it's. It, it, I mean, we're talking like gigabit internet speeds back when we were all, you know, dialing up. Right. Yeah. And for you know, much less money for much less money, by the way. Right, and, th- and that's the other thing. Like, you're probably paying like a hundred and twenty dollars a month for your cell phone bill plan that throttles you after like two gigs or some ridiculous nonsense and like that kind of stuff not really a thing anywhere else it's not a thing and that's the other it kind of falls into that whole made up thing that's not a real thing that has to exist well they're admitting it that they made it up because companies like verizon and comcast are lifting these arbitrary data caps right in in response to the whole coronavirus they're admitting i mean that's an admission that oh we don't really have to do this we just do it because we can and because we can squeeze squeeze extra money about it's it's like the same thing with like overdraft fees yeah, mm-hmm. uh, at, at banks. Like, why do banks charge overdraft fees? It's not because there's actually any type of cost associated with you over uh, that goes to the bank associated with you overdrawing your account by thirty dollars, because they have more or less unlimited liquidity and unlimited ability to to lend money out at will. They could just effectively give you a zero percent or ten percent interest rate loan on that, but instead they charge you a thirty five dollar overdraft fee when you go one penny in the negative. Which don't, don't get, get me started. started. I, I, Seriously, that, that, that's my freaking college years right there. The amount of money I spent in overdraft fees in my college time. Oh, I, so much money in overdraft Personal fees. And they do bank it, fees are just well, they do it because like, they can. They do it because they, they can, and and right. they, and they and they do it because and they always couch it as well. There's costs associated with it. It's all bullshit. And I think that that's that's going back to what we were talking about before. That's why I'm hopeful about this time is because a lot of people are coming out. And it is being admitted to our faces that the way a lot of businesses handle things, the way that our government has handled things for years that have been uh, sold to us as just the way things are, are utter and complete bullshit. If they want to change it, they can and they will if necessary. So going back to this, I think what our job is uh, for people who want a different and better life is to make it necessary for them to do that. Right. When this is all over and say, oh, no, remember when you lifted those data caps and you, you know, you got rid of, uh, of overdraft fees and, uh, you know, you, you slowed down the rate of foreclosures and stuff like that. Why can't we do that all the time? That was actually kind of nice. Maybe yeah. we should do that when times are not like completely fucking dire, too. Hmm. What a wild idea, Albert. I know. I know. It, I'm, I'm crazy. crazy. So. I'm not going to keep you much longer because we've been going on about this for like 45 minutes, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I go on all day. Can, can I say one more? Can I say one more thing? Yes. Um, just to the listeners, if you did not file taxes in 2018 or 2019, file your taxes. It doesn't matter if you made any money. It doesn't matter if you made under the amount that is necessary to file taxes. I forget what the threshold is. File your damn taxes. If you do not file your taxes, you will not get a $1,200 check from Uncle Sam. Please do it right now. You want that money. I want you to have that money. Everybody wants you to have that money. File your taxes. It's important. Also, that money is not taxable, so do not worry. 
if you get your $1,200 check at the end of the year, they're not going to come back and say, oh, well, your marginal tax rate was 30%, per, 30% so you owe us you know, $400 off that $1,200 check. Don't worry about it. It's not taxable. It's a, it's a refundable tax credit. Don't worry about it. I looked into this for hours the other day. <laughs> it is not taxable. File your damn taxes. Get your damn check. Buy a Nintendo Switch, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to end this um, on another thing that I've decided is a mainstay of this okay. show. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things is like Tinder opening line questions, but I don't oh, feel like asking yeah. them if they're well, I've never been on Tinder. I know, Albert, you're married. We get it. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Yeah, I got so someone I'll, who loves me. Loves yes. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. Not bragging. I'll do the other one, which is a, a hockey-related fuck, Mary kill. Mm. And for you, I'm going to do the Flyers broadcast team. So you have to fuck, Mary kill oh. Jim Jackson, Keith Jones, or Steve Coates. Oh, I mean, marry, marry Jim Jackson. Yeah, he seems like a nice man. Uh, uh, I, not that I dislike him. I don't dislike him. But and I'll get to why I have to do this. Uh, I'm gonna kill Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm gonna fuck Coatsy because he's wild in the sack. You know it. He's gonna come. I mean, per, I mean, the, the honestly to to Keith Jones, who I know is listening to this. I'm sorry. I don't actually want to kill you. I think you're. I think you're actually pretty good. Um. But if, you know, I got to marry, I got to marry JJ because, you know, he's been, he's been there. He's been there forever, man. He's been there forever. He's, he's steady. I actually think, I, I do legit think he's a really good play-by-play announcer. Oh, me too. too. I love him. I think he's really good. And Coatsy, I mean, you just got to fuck that guy. Look at him. First off, I mean, it's going to be sloppy. It's definitely going to be sloppy. Uh, it's going to smell. A little bit. Lots of smells. Um <laughs> And I don't know, he, like, grunts a lot when he talks, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just the, the way he speaks, it feels like there's a lot of raw, there's a lot of appetitive grunts in the way he speaks, and there's a lot of raw energy, and I feel like he could, uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like he, he could hit the back walls. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I hope people are still listening to this because yeah, that yeah, if they just, that that's the uh, that's the nice little uh, mic mic drop right there, hitting the back walls with Coatsy. So making that's you regret making you now. regret making you regret to ask me to do this. So you're welcome. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Albert. This was yeah. actually super enlightening. I hope that people learned a little bit. I hope we've given you something to think about. I know that this is supposed to be about hockey, but hockey is dead. Time doesn't exist. All we have to think about is everything else. So why not? I think we talked enough about hockey. We talked enough about hockey. We kind of bookended. There was a bookend. Uh, there was a little bit in there. There was a little bit in there. I don't know. The okay. score goal. Flyers. There you Yay, go. win the game. Also, win by the game. way, I didn't say it, or I should have said it before when people were still listening. If you like our ridiculous Broad Street Hockey radio songs, Albert makes all of them. Yeah, I... Uh, I... All by himself. I, I don't know how <laughs> I get into this like weird zone. So like I I don't I I'm I'm I don't drink. So which is weird that I'm able to do that without drinking. Um, mm-hmm. but I get into this. It's just like gets into this like weird thing where I'm just kind of giggling to myself like all day while I'm recording them, and that you know that's that's what I get high off. I get yeah. high off that. I can't wait till people hear the new one. And the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course. It goes without which, saying. Which, if, can, it, 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 can I get into that a little bit? Or, or do we sure. have to go? T- time's up. Time's up. Oh, right? time's up. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, damn, it, about... damn it, damn it, damn we'll it. I'll have you on next later. week. We'll okay, talk about okay. okay. We'll talk about uh, how, he, how he died on the cross for our sins. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Albert. This was fun. Okay. Thanks a lot, yeah, Kelly. I'll talk to you later.